What have you done, Mike? Hi, folks. Thanks for bringing to the Banff Podcast. I am your host, Mike Lafferty, and um, thanks for tuning in. Uh, tonight, we have Mr. Brennan Taylor with us. How are you doing, sir? Good. Appreciate you stopping by. And before we get started, here's my contractually obligated intro music. Uh, forgive me, I have to play that. That assures you, gentle listener, that uh, you're ingesting a high-quality, high-production-value podcast. Um, I, I, I don't know why you continue to say, I'm sorry. Everyone has their intro. Be happy about your intro. You have an intro. Do you know how many years Banff Podcast is running and we didn't have an intro? It's just us saying, hi, welcome to Banff Podcast. Uh, that's Jacob Blackman. He's not my therapist, although he kind of sounds like one tonight. Jacob, good to have you, sir. Always a pleasure. And um, I'm not sure how we talked him into gracing us, but Brennan Taylor is a fixture in the indie RPG scene, and he's on tonight to talk about a couple of his new games. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, sir. Appreciate you being here. Yeah, it's great to be here. Uh, now, just for some of our viewers who might not be uh, familiar with you, could you give us kind of a, a brief survey of uh, your time in the RPG scene? Sure. Uh, I got into the indie RPG scene back in the 90s, actually, with a, uh, a fantasy heartbreaker uh, game that I'm kind of embarrassed about. And uh, then I wrote uh, Mortal Coil in the early 2000s. Uh, Bulldogs also came out um, around 2012, uh, which is a sci-fi adventure game. And I've been publishing my stuff and other people's stuff under the imprint of Galileo Games. I'm also a co-founder of Indie Press Revolution, so although I'm no longer involved with them. All right. Cool, cool. And uh, if anyone wants to check out your stuff, uh, GalileoGames.com is where they can go. I yep. just wanted to, uh, you've got a really awesome cover uh, for Bulldogs. Let me just uh, share that super fast. Um, I really like kind of the retro vibe you had on this one. Now, if I recall correctly, and I'm an old man and my memory is faulty, this was really the first sci-fi outing for Fate, wasn't it? Uh, it was, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I... I... I did this before the Fate books were even published. The first edition of Bulldogs came out before um, Fate Core. Uh, they just had their SRD out at that time. Yeah, that's I. I don't know who your artist was, but yeah, that's that's just beautiful. I like those skull and crossbones on the uh, the ship, and uh, just it screams pulp to me. Yeah, the, the yeah. action the action on the cover is always something you want to have because it gets in, it gets right to the point of what is this game about and i see flying ships and action and that that looks amazing yeah that's that's the idea it's a it's a high action pulp adventure sci-fi game so is that that's a three-eyed blue gorilla with a with a laser cannon flying towards it <laughs> basically yes yeah, that is awesome <laughs> all right well hey um awesome games from the past let's talk about what you're coming out with now and i'm going to put up trench coats and katanas first because this yes. has um, been kicking around for a while. I heard about this a few years ago when it was on Kickstarter mm -hmm. uh, with, um, oh, God, help me out, Brennan. I am now Ryan, Ryan Macklin. Yes, yes, yes. Um, yeah, Ryan Macklin put this together on Kickstarter about five or six years ago, I guess. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, then was, you know, plugging away at it for years, but didn't ever really finish it until he kind of came to us uh, at Galileo Games and was like, uh, I need help finishing this. So my, me and my, uh, my partner, Tim Rodriguez, uh, worked with him to get this out. 
um, finally. Uh, and it is quite a tome, actually. It is it is like 300 pages long. So Wow. Yeah. <laughs> now, I, I'm not sure how much I can say about the um, inspiration material, so I might, I might leave that up to you. But um, I remember it being described as role-playing in Darkest Vancouver when it was being constructed. That, that's, that's right. Uh, it's the Darkest Cosmos, which is uh, a, a uh, alternate 90s, basically where all of the uh, the television shows, you know, the pulp television shows of the 90s are real. So like the Highlander TV show, Forever Night, the, uh, the other, uh, you know, sort of cheesy but fun sci-fi uh, things from the 90s. Baywatch Nights, where they fought vampires and aliens every other exactly. episode. Exactly, yes. Uh, did you, that reminds me, Michelle, Michelle Geller is making a comeback in a supernatural show uh, in the near future. Oh, I, really? I didn't yeah, know that. Well, it's on Paramount Plus, uh, and she's called Wolfpack. She plays an arson investigator who stumbles onto uh, supernatural happenings in uh, the areas around LA. And I'm guessing wolves are involved in some manner. But, uh, right. That's all I know so far. In katanas and trench coats, we have werebeasts, but no werewolves. So. Okay. Um, what system are we using for katanas and trench coats? So it's its own system. Uh, it uses a D10 pool, uh, dice pool, uh, sort of reminiscent of the old uh, White Wolf system. We call it, I'd call it an homage. Mm, okay. <laughs> uh, it, it doesn't really, uh, the, the, it doesn't have like a huge skill list or anything like that. It's got a list of like six, 10 skills and six stats. So. Yeah, I, my, my big memories of White Wolf back in the day, I was a werewolf and werewolf Wild West player. And just um, getting a big handful of D10s during combat was always a great visceral feeling. Yes, and that this one still retains some of that uh, in that you get pools of D10s up to like 10 or 12 dice sometimes. Ooh, so nice. Sweet. Um, all right, this looks like a lot of fun. And um, if I remember right, this kind of came out as sort of a, a, a goofy one-off from Ryan, but it, was, it hit such a nerve and was so popular, he was inspired to take it to Kickstarter, and uh, it had great success there. And so it's yes. uh, really awesome to see it coming out. Now, um, if I'm listening to this podcast and I think, hey, I got to get me some of that, um, how would a person go about getting themselves some of that? Uh, you can get it through... Uh our site uh mm -hmm. that is where the main you know that's the main place we're going to be selling it through but the uh the pdf is also on drive through um so okay. you can you can pick it up there as well is it live now um the pdf is out now uh the print edition is uh was a pretty limited run so we only have a few of those and we weren't really offering those uh, for online sales, you probably have to track us down at a con to get one of those. Okay, okay. You know, I was looking at your cover gallery. I didn't realize it wasn't your storefront, but uh, yeah, I see it. I see it now. Katana's and trench coats, uh, PDF form, twenty bucks. Yep. GalileoGames.com. So perfect. I will be checking that out. Um, can you tell us a little bit about uh, the supernaturals and in, in, involved and what, what the culture is like? You know, for the vampires and the fabies and the yeah. uh, shape changers. Yeah. So it there. There's a number of different sort of splats, is what we call them, uh, that are uh, that include uh, phantoms, uh, vampires, werebeasts, and uh, then of course the immortals, which is inspired by uh, 
the uh, the Highlander TV show and movies. Um, but I've had people play immortals that are like completely different as well. Like somebody played a golem uh, that was using the immortal splat. Um, basically, you just use you need to use a sword and you can't die. That's really what defines an immortal. Um, and then, of course, the ever popular car wizards, which of course are inspired by a certain uh, certain car oriented franchise. Where they Can do, you tell? Uh, where they do stunts that are uh, impossible <laughs> in real life. <laughs> yeah, that is the most uh, diplomatic and discreet way of saying that we're, we're making fun of Fast and the Furious. That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> yes, car wizards can do a jump from one building to another in their car. Yeah, that's that's the kind of thing a car wizard could do. Or drag big giant. Uh, bank safes behind them without, yes. without any speed reduction. That's right. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you guys saw the last Fast and the Furious movie, but I have to watch them because my wife likes them. And um, they were in outer space. Oh, they boy. were in outer space this time. Yeah. 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 They, um, they, they, the, the outer space uh, storyline ends with two of the guys like in um, full body suits knocking on the door of the ISS saying, hey, can we come in? So um, yeah, it was it was fun. I have to say, I knew so many games just like this back in the '90s. You talk to guys like, oh yeah, we, we're, we're playing we're playing World of Darkness. So you playing Vampire, Werewolf, Mummy? Oh yes, all of them. <laughs> yes, all together. of them. Yeah. And we got some homebrew stuff you would love to see. Really, and uh, I knew so many games doing that kind of vibe. It's it's a lot of fun to see that uh, happening in print. So, well, you know, the thing about katanas and trench coats is that the whole idea is like this badass over the top action uh, to the point of ridiculousness. Uh, so uh, one of the main mechanics is something called grandeur, which is when somebody does something that you think is cool in the game, you add grandeur to the pool in the center of the table uh, that anybody can then pull on to grab extra dice uh, mm -hmm. for their, uh, for their actions. So anything that's over the top, you know, you get grandeur. So that is pretty cool. Um, so if I want to play uh, a werebeast, I can do, looks like there's a were-elk on the cover. Oh, by yes. the way, I, I have been horribly remiss. Uh, this is an awesome cover. Who is your artist on this one? Uh, you know what? Let me look that up because I wasn't the one who commissioned it. <laughs> okay. Didn't mean to put you on the... on the. Uh, yeah, that's okay. Here, but... uh, it, it, it's, it's okay. I should have known that. Um, let me look it up real quick. Uh uh, for 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 me, it's one of the things I'm always interested in on these uh, supernatural worlds is the world building itself and how all these different supernatural elements work with each other. Because uh, you know, World of Darkness has a very rich world in in how the vampires interact and the werebeasts interact and the ghosts and the fae and all of, and the mages and all of that. And so what I'm curious about is uh, it, it, for katanas and trench coats, is there is there a world setting that has been developed for this or is it just kind of a kind of a generic uh, action adventure sort of thing, you know, and if, if there is a world for it, have there been any uh historical notes of of things that things that have happened or altered since the original incarnation of katanas and trench coats so i think that the world has uh, by the way the cover artist is daniel renault hmm. 
Um, cool, cool. The, the, uh, there have been a few ev evolutions since the original Katanas and Trench Coats was released. Um, the world is much more in depth in the new, in the new book. Uh, and a lot of the world building actually happens with those splats. Like there's, uh, descriptions of what each of the, um, kinds of creatures is, uh, that you can play and the lore and the background and stuff is all attached to that. And the abilities that you have form a lot of that, uh, of that lore, right? That, uh, the world is influenced by the things that you're allowed to do with each of those splats. Very cool. All right, cool, cool. Um, so yeah, there is a whole section on the darkest cosmos in there. So excellent. All right, cool. Um, yeah, I, this is one of those games where at first I'm like, oh, it's this nostalgia. The more I talk about it, I'm like, ah, shit, this would be a lot of fun. I yeah, it is it is super fun i have to say i i uh i ran it a lot at um gen con this year and uh the 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 stuff that people get up to in this game is just it's so over the top and fun that it's it's really it, it's it's a blast it it uh it, it's just like high amplitude so <laughs> you have any uh, cool stories you care to share from uh, your, your summer your gen con games Sure. Uh, one of them was a uh, drag race between a demon and a car wizard in hell um, that they had gotten to hell because one of the other characters had built a steam engine that basically ran on tortured souls. Uh, it was designed to take the phantom to the afterlife, but if you put tortured souls in it, it will only take you to hell. So, I love that. That sounds really cool. Yeah, it was it was a blast. Uh, just describing all of the uh, the crazy stunts and stuff with the cars and in in a in a racetrack in hell was uh, was just amazing. So you know, that's been one of my uh, I want to say holy grails for games for a while is finding something that handles uh, you know vehicle chase scenes and fight scenes in vehicles well. It sounds like you guys have cracked the code. Yeah, yeah. The the mechanics for car wizards really. I mean. If you have a car wizard in your game, there's going to be cars in your game, right? It, it, because the car wizard's always going to be wanting to bring their car along. And so if you set something in a church with a big showdown, well, the car wizard's going to come crashing through that rose window eventually at some point, you know. So that's another thing that happened in my Gen Con game. <laughs> nice. All right, cool, cool. So available now, drive through RPG or at GalileoGames.com. And it sounds yeah. like we're mainly PDF for now, but maybe print on demand sometime in the future. Or I think, yeah, probably we'll do a print on demand version. Okay. You know, because uh, offset print runs are just a little too expensive these days. Yeah, it's it's really kind of crazy anymore. So, well, hey, uh, let's talk about your other big game. Um, let me get the once again. You've got some awesome cover on this one. Let me get it up. Um, and I can actually tell you who did this one. So. <laughs> Let me shrink it down so we can see it all. Um, boom, there we go. Yeah. This is Thousand Arrows. It is mm -hmm. uh, set during the Warring States period of uh, medieval Japan. And the cover artist on this was Yoshi Yoshitani. Mm. Yeah, um, it's, it's, uh, this is beautiful. And I was talking to uh, another frequent co-host and a guy who's really into Japanese history. And he was very impressed that he had a footlock on a, a book yes. about samurai. 
Yeah, yeah. The 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 guns were a big deal during Warring States period. Uh, they yeah. didn't get outlawed until after that. Yeah, apparently that's not horribly well known. So kudos to you guys. And um, well, tell us about this game. Uh, what's uh, what do you do in Thousand Arrows? So you play uh, people who are uh, part of this uh, century-long civil war that was going on, uh, and trying to raise your station uh, to get yourself to the top one way or the other. Um, and that often involves betraying your, uh, your lords uh, at a strategic moment. So the, the tagline for the game is a game of gunpowder and betrayal. So uh, there's a whole mechanic in there where you have attachments to other characters. Mm -hmm. And one of the, uh, one of the things that you can do is betray your attachment, which allows you to uh, seize the control of the narration for a dramatic scene. Interesting. Um, so what kind of system are we using for those narrows? Uh, it's powered by the apocalypse. Okay. Okay. So. Uh, I think it's pretty, a uh, pretty innovative version of it though. Uh, the, the moves are not what you'd normally expect to see in a powered by the apocalypse game. Uh, yeah, there's just a lot pretty... of battlefield moves and stuff. So, oh, cool. Yeah, this. Um, you guys, uh, is this going to Kickstarter? Is this going to Indiegogo? When uh, will this be coming out? How can people? Uh, find it, out it, more? It, it actually kickstarted a little while back, um, okay. and it is now releasing in PDF uh, probably within the week. So. Okay, uh, so GalileoGames.com and drive-through as well. Yes, yes, and there's going to be a backer kit pre-order for it so that you can pick up a print copy as well. Okay, cool. And then we'll um, link that on our site. All right. Once again, GalileoGames.com. Um, is, is the interior art all like this, or what's the inside of the book look like? Uh, the inside of the book has. Uh, a number of color plates done by Kurt Komoda, who I've worked with before on Bulldogs. Um, and he did some really nice stuff. Uh, and uh, also uh, uh, Jabari Weathers did some stuff for us uh, for the playbooks. So we have uh, each, each playbook has like sort of an iconic character at the beginning of it to sort of demonstrate what the playbook's about. All right, cool, cool. Yeah, I, I once again, I love the cover. Kind of reminds me of uh, various. I'm thinking Kurosawa as I look at it, but I'm sure there's many other samurai films that would fit. So. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, we. But Kurosawa films are the best. Yes. Yeah, James Mendez Hodes, who I collaborated with on this, we sat and watched a whole bunch of samurai movies when we started doing the design work. So. That was that was our inspiration. Well, hey, uh, let's let's talk about that. What uh, what sort of movies and books would you list as uh, some of the inspiration material for Thousand Arrows? Uh, one of the most one of the more recent ones that isn't a Kurosawa. I mean, obviously Kurosawa is a great go to for this, uh, but one of the more recent ones was uh, was uh, Thirteen Assassins. I don't know if you've seen that one. I have not. Uh, when did that come out? Uh, maybe ten years ago. Okay. Uh, it is, oh, yeah, yeah, it's a, it, yeah, it is about uh, the this horrible uh son of the emperor who is uh just like a sociopath and a murderer, 
And so the nobles decide they need to get rid of him. So they, they choose uh, these guys to go and, and kill him. The, the, the titular 13 assassins to go and kill this guy, uh, knowing that their lives will be forfeit afterwards because he's a relative of the emperor. Okay. Um, you know, I might share a bit of that trailer on silent just to uh, sort of get the vibe, but hopefully not get a uh, copyright strike from uh, YouTube. So. Yeah. Well, that, 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 that looks really fun. Um, have you had a chance to run some of run this game at cons yet as well? I, I have actually. Yes. And it's, uh, it, I've had some really good experiences with it as well. Uh, we ended up with one where, uh, a uh, the person playing the knight was uh, uh, facing down the the pe the farmer character uh, and shouting about how he needed to he owed him his loyalty while the the uh, the uh, one of the other characters uh, opened fire with their guns and shot him to death. So mm -hmm. it would write it was it was reminiscent of the end of uh, Throne of Blood. So. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Hey, uh, walking in um, like a uh, like uh, that guy on Seinfeld. Uh, he, he, he heard he heard that, that we were doing something cool with feudal Japan. So he had <laughs> right, <to come> in. <laughs> it's true. Hey, so, how's yeah, it we going? Just, we're all right. We were just talking about Kurosawa and other samurai movies. Uh, oh, did you see Thirteen Assassins? I love Thirteen Assassins. Yeah, oh. I, I just I just put that on my watch list. <laughs> Dude, so good. Yeah. So, well, uh, so yeah, just real fast, let me let me be a good host. Um, okay. The guy who just walked in, like Cosmo Kramer, in an episode of Seinfeld. That's Walt Rebilliard, our, our resident Japanese history buff, and this is Brennan Taylor. Hello. Uh, Hola. Who's our guest for tonight? He helped co-found IPR back in the day and runs Galileo Games, and they have put out trench coats and katanas, or sorry, katanas and trench coats, and they're doing Thousand Arrows, which is the Samurai game, Powered by the Apocalypse, that we were just talking about. So, welcome, all. Good to have you. Hola. You know, I got to say, I was talking to Mike about it, and uh, I said, you know, the uh, the great thing about uh, this image that I'm looking at is the fact that she's holding a, um, a flintlock firearm. Yeah. And, and I'm like, thank God. Uh, because... <laughs> You know, you, you see a lot of people and they, they, they see all these movies and stuff like that. And they think, you know, they think like the samurai were all about the sword, you know, and it's like, it's like that was uh, a sword is seen like a pistol is today. You know, if you got a rifle, you are going to outmatch anybody with a pistol because you have distance, you have power, you have this, you have that. And it was yeah. the same thing with spears and bows and firearms, mm -hmm. you know, and yeah. like, I mean, you see like you know it's like oh they had an epic sword fight where you know they clashed for five minutes no they didn't <laughs> stop you're hurting yeah, myself. Well, most people don't know is that swords were usually you refer in in all eras really were backup weapons yep they were yeah. what you used as your last resort you're usually you're using a spear or 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 or, or more something something more in the pole arm category that way you can anything get that people can keep over your opponent there. away from you yes exactly <laughs> <laughs> yeah and and the the warring states period that you know gunpowder was like a huge pivotal uh technology for that oh era. yeah you know the so, people who embraced it really did well so so you mentioned you have this mechanic uh, for Thousand Arrows where someone can take over the narrative through a betrayal. Um, yes. 
what I'm curious about is uh, how this might work and how can we, how can it be utilized without it being abused by, let's say you have assholes in your game who just, <laughs> wa who just want to fuck things up and, and be a dick and by using this mechanic instead right. of so having it be proper narrative flow. Your attachment is definitely someone that you have some sort of relationship to. And when you betray your attachment, you're burning that attachment. You can't use it ever again. Okay. So it's, it's, a, it's a pretty big dramatic moment when it happens. And uh, it tends to happen at the climax of a story uh, when people are like, okay, yeah, this is the time that I'm ready to, to burn this relationship for good. Okay. So there, so there's huge consequences. There, there are still consequences by activating yeah. this thing. Yes, okay. absolutely. Right. Yeah, you've you've okay, taken I, a, I just, a major mechanic I, and you've just like lit a match and thrown it on there. So <laughs> I, I, I have played with enough trolls in my life that I just wanted to make sure that this wasn't a game that might appeal to trolls. No, I don't think so. Um, like a lot of the social interactions happen through these uh, um, attachment mechanics. Mm -hmm. I just oh, found the old a, one. Yeah. yeah, the old cover. So. Oh, I like that a lot better. That's a good piece of art. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> I got the Kabuto with the with the Oni mask and and uh, uh, Zenjiriki right in his hand. Oh my god. Right on. So how much Japanese do you actually use in the book? Uh, actually, hardly any. Um, one of the things that we did was we translated everything so that yeah. uh, Mendez, who is my uh, co-author, was he wanted to de-exotify things a little bit, right? Um, because he kind of was of the opinion that a lot of the um, Japanese-themed stuff is very... Uh, you know, the, the fanboys get really into the Japanese part. <laughs> and it's it's good to sort of put that into, like, American terms. Like, the, the playbook is called The Knight, not The Samurai, right? Uh, the, the other play, we have the playbooks of the uh, the warrior monk, the, um, the, the uh, summoner, who is basically a uh, Shinto priest. Do you have the paladin? Uh, we don't have a paladin. We have a retainer. Oh, so you don't have a soy? No. Oh, that's too bad. Those are like my favorite. Oh, my God. Yeah. I love those guys. But we can release more playbooks. Uh, in fact, a few more are going to come out, uh, including the Corsair, which is. Oh, right on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's pretty dope. Yeah. Yeah. The Because uh, um, the Japanese can get involved. Um, yeah. So how do you how do you. How do you in uh, in the game? How do you ingrain um, some of the cultural narrative? Because like a lot of times, um, you know, uh, recently especially, you know, you see a game on Twitch or you see, you know, somebody uh, you know affecting a game uh, that they've recorded on YouTube, and when they go to um, when they go to play this kind of game on on air or whatever, um, it almost becomes a parody. Uh, like a like a like they're making fun of Japanese culture. The only one I really saw that wasn't like that was um, Happy Jack's RPG podcast about five six years ago. Did a um, a really long actual play of uh, Five Rings, and it was superb. 
you know, they mm -hmm. paid respect to the culture. They re paid respect to the uh, to the game system, and uh, they did a really great job. Um, and, yeah, there's. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, no, I was just going to say, um, you know, at no point did the people who um, who didn't really know about Japanese culture um, did they feel like they were missing out on something because they didn't understand, you know, the uh, the cultural touchstones that make this stuff so interesting. Sure. Um, there's a whole chapter on uh, Japanese culture from this time period um, and what was going on then. And a lot of what was going on then was some really serious social upheaval to the traditions that existed before that, right? And uh, during the Warring States period, you know, the Sengoku period, their people were breaking out of their roles a lot of the time and uh, doing things that, uh, you know, had been forbidden in previous times uh, and picking up armor from battlefields and, and joining in the fight, essentially, uh, like peasants and things would sometimes do that. So the, uh, the whole, uh, the whole period is very much uh, not the uh, the Edo period that we think of, where there was all this formalized rank and things like that. Well, I was more uh, thinking along the lines of like, um, it, because we're in a. Uh, I don't know how much I want to say about this, but like, uh, we're in a we're in a uh, an era where um, people feel they need something like a sensitivity editor because somebody might mm -hmm. get triggered. Oh no, history happened. Um, and well, are you getting political? Yes. So um, the, uh, uh, so like, for example, uh, it was very well known, uh, very well known uh, uh, practice that had happened um, among uh, samurai in the battlefield where um, once they took significant amount of heads, they could turn them in for money or prestige. Right. right. Do you do you have a presentation of heads kind of deal in the in this game? Uh, in this one, uh, no, not exactly. Uh, you know, that's not um, that's not something we covered in that uh, section. But uh, it, it would certainly not be something that wouldn't happen in this game, just because the it's about warfare. Right? Yeah, a brutal, brutal time yeah, period. Brutal, brutal warfare. Yeah. The Sengoku Jai was. Uh, oh my God. <laughs> I mean, you read some of the stories and stuff like that, and you're like, wow, they really pulled that off, you yeah. know, and, and it informed warfare for, God, 100, 150 years after it even ended. Yeah. Yeah. And and the interesting thing is, you know, my Mendez, the, the guy who did the principal writing on this, uh, based on my original designs, was... It is a sensitivity reader. <laughs> oh. So <laughs> he what he talks about though is don't don't when you're going into this don't be uh, don't don't try to be too Japanese because you're going to just be a parody of Japan. Exactly. That, yeah. Right. Go into it trying to focus on character, and that's gonna that's gonna bring out good play that's actually that's actually a good that's actually a good point yeah but yeah that's 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 definitely cool so um do you get into some of the um the family 
secret histories as well. So like uh, the very guarded martial traditions of some of these families that uh, um, we we touch on that briefly. There's a couple of the uh, the allegiances. So your character is made up of two playbooks, a, uh, a role and an allegiance. And some of the allegiances are families and some of them have uh, martial arts styles that you can learn. So, right yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I, I, um, uh, some of the people I, I've known, I know and, and trained with, um, uh, are trained in Kodu. So okay. they're, so they're, um, you get some of that like really intense, uh, and for those who don't know what that is, um, Kodu just means old school. And right. it's, um, um, it's a, it's a term that is widely used to reference uh, Japanese martial arts that existed before 1859. Mm -hmm. So um, everything after that is considered uh, Gendai or, or new or modern. Uh, but like those old traditional battlefield martial arts, um, Daituru, uh, uh, Yoshinuru, um, uh, you know, like, uh, oh my God. Now here's a question. Um, this is this is batting out of the cheap seats okay did, did you consult any of don drager's work in researching this book uh i did not who is but, don uh, drager for us uninitiated because yeah. i've so heard the name before don drager is probably the preeminent uh researcher of uh, uh of a scholarly pursuit called hoplology it's the science uh it's the scientific study of uh human pathology in a combative environment so how do we behave while we're in combat and mm. he mostly focused his his studies and theories on the martial traditions of the old families of japan during the sengoku Jidai. okay um he was given um he was given uh immense access to the yep there we go he was given immense access to the greater Japanese martial society's record books and allowed to, per, uh, to uh, peruse and talk to a huge amount of people who were considered uh, custodians of these of these art forms. Okay, um, that. that image is actually he was the martial arts coordinator on Dr. No, the original James Bond movie. And that's him, yeah. uh, I guess, on set getting ready to spar with Sean Connery or something. So, yeah, that's so cool. like. Yeah, if you're into yeah. Japanese, martial I know arts, that Mendez okay. Mendez is into Japanese martial arts, <laughs> so I'm sure that he is familiar with this guy. Yeah, I'm <laughs> less awesome. familiar personally, right? So I did a lot more of the mechanical side of things on this. It sounds like um, this is uh, sort of trying to emulate the fiction, or emulate uh, the is, genre. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So we're, it sounds like we're really going for you know the samurai genre, you know, as Jambara. As yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Right on. Yeah, as a fan of uh, Magnificent Seven, I wonder if this is well. That's a horrible question. If it's exportable to the Wild West genre, but um, of course it is. Well, I, everything is, but yeah, Seven I'm Samurai. Sure, I'm sure it would be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Magnificent Seven came from Seven Samurai. Well, yeah, that's why that's why I brought it up. Yeah, you know, um, uh, all of the uh, what do you call it? Uh, do I do I have it right here? Um, oh yeah, I do. <clears throat> so if you're a fan of this guy right mm -hmm. and you've watched these movies um half of them are from uh yojimbo yeah yeah uh, the story of the bodyguard yeah you know 
Sanjiro. Uh, yeah. So all those, all those, yeah, easily translated because I mean, a lot of the philosophy is the same. And, and a lot of it is about powerful families exploiting lawlessness to uh, get what they oh, want. Yeah. So now, <laughs> now here's a couple, here's another question for your knight characters. Um, do you have them portrayed as they were portrayed during the single Kujidai where they were, um, or the warring States period, do you have them portrayed as thugs with swords, thugs with swords, because they were very mercenary during those times. Or do you, or do you, um, because the thing is like the thing where everybody's like the seven virtues of Bushido is a load of garbage. It didn't yeah, exist no, that's, until. That's yeah. not really a thing in thousand arrows. <laughs> oh, God, thank God. Yeah. Cause yeah, that, that whole thing didn't Samur exist. Samurai were legalized thugs. Yeah, the the um, the the whole code of Bushido thing was was actually formalized after the the country gained peace and unification right. as was, a way was... to sell martial arts subscriptions, basically. <laughs> well, and and to help stabilize it, you know. Yeah, to, to keep people from doing the things that they did during the Warring States period. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, don't want to double back, but I'll double back. Well, are you familiar with trench coats and katanas? katanas and trench I, coats? I am not. Um, I just wanted to mention this because I thought you might get a kick out of the car wizards. Let me, uh... <laughs> right on. So th this was kickstarted a few years ago by Ryan Macklin, uh, set in darkest Vancouver. Uh, so sort of a, a 90s pulp... Um, homage if you will slash world of darkness homage kind of and, uh, kind of like there can only be one or that yes. the only one yes indeed and you've got uh so you got your trans your tra I almost said transformers your shapeshifters your fey um your immortals your vampires and your car wizards could you explain the car wizard for our friend Walt Mr. Brennan sure the car wizard is essentially somebody who can do those crazy stunts you see in fast and furious uh oh right on you know that the their their magic is essentially that you can get a car to do those things <laughs> that is that is awesome absolutely yeah. awesome what system is that for uh katanas and trench coats is its own system oh right on yeah it, it, it is a sort of an homage to the pool. old yeah so just like World of Darkness back in the day, a big fistful of uh, D10 as you ride into combat. So, so you yeah. feel good rolling all the dice and beating up your bad guys. Yes. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna check this out and see if we could work it up for a lunchtime game. But um, oh, yeah. this is kind of a this is a hefty tome, right? This is a few hundred pages. It is, it is, but uh, it it runs really fast, actually, considering the size of the book. Um, I think a lot of it is like you know, mood and setting. So cool. Cool. Um, well, hey, I, we've been going for about 35 minutes now, actually a little bit longer cause we, uh, we got a jump start cause we were eager. Um, yeah. Brennan really appreciate you coming up to talk to us. Um, yeah. Just, thanks for presenting the game. Yeah. Happily happy to do it. And it's great yeah. talking to somebody who's a big fan of the, uh, the, the genre too. So, Oh yeah, yeah. I've been doing Japanese martial arts uh, since uh, I was eight, um, and got into got into like the actual like deep rooted stuff when I was when I was in my twenties. Okay. So you know, lived there, worked there, you know, played around there. It was it was it was a thing. Nice. 
What's going on? We're talking to Brennan Taylor, um, one of the original founders of Indie Press Revolution and the guy who runs Galileo Games. You can find his stuff at Galileo. Ga <laughs> GalileoGames.com. Uh, you can check out both Thousand Arrows. And I keep getting the name wrong of this game, Brennan. Help me out. Trench coats and Katanas. Katanas, Katanas, and, Katanas, Katanas, Katanas and, trench and trench coats. coats. Trench coats. Yes. Okay. K and T. Lead, lead with the sword. Lead with the sword. Yes. <laughs> man. I almost want to just get an all immortal party so we can keep saying there's going to be only one. The rest of you have to leave. But, uh, That's right. <laughs> <laughs> what car do you guys drive her in? A Highlander? What? No. <laughs> 1984 Trans Am. Yeah. Once again, thanks everybody for checking out the Vamp Podcast. Here is our musical outro. Once again, that assures you you're listening to a fine, ethically sourced farm-to-table podcast. Appreciate your time, folks, and um, we'll see you next time on the Vamp Podcast. Boom! Bam!